afternoon and welcome to Across the Desk with Elizabeth Plouffe. I'm here today with Mike Edwards and uh, Mike and I met through Spark the Change two years ago now. Correct. And Mike not only works with Lean Into It, which is agile coaching, but he has launched his own consulting business mm-hmm. for coaching. Mm-hmm. So we are here today to chit chat about which I don't know much about you in this role, actually, which is kind of fun. That um, might make you the perfect interviewer, then. It might? <laughs> yeah. Yay! Um, so we're here to learn today about Mike's coaching business. Yes. And how you coach people through business and life development. So welcome to the desk, Mike. Thank you, and I'm quite excited to be here. Yeah, and he fixed his hair beforehand. I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very spiff. <laughs> Which is part of the goal. So tell me a little bit about you growing up. Me growing up? I know, weird question. Yeah. I want to know what you wanted to be when you were a little bitty Mike. I wanted to be what everybody wanted to be. A fireman? (laughs) Yeah, of course. A fireman, a policeman, a a pilot at one point. I went through all the different normal kid things. What I wanted to be more than anything is free. Free to play, free to have fun. Free yeah. to just, just be out there, right? Out free there to... or outside? Or just... oh, outside, yeah. You're like a, a, well, a little, Gladwell outlier kind a of kid? A little out there too, but... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So what made you decide then? You went from... Did you ever pursue one of those dreams? Or at some point you went, you know, not too fond of getting shot or going up ladders. So Well, well the funny part is uh, I now do wear a police uniform. In a volunteer role, playing for the, yeah, playing for the ceremonial band of the Waterloo Regional Police. Get out of town! Yeah, you didn't know I that. I did not know that. Oh, there you go. Well, that's super cool. What do you play? I'm a drummer, so I play Get percussion, out. and on the street, I'm playing a, a street drum. So sorry about the high squeaky voice, part, but <laughs> seriously, two years and that never came up. We sat in a drum circle together. We did. You never thought of throwing out there, so by the way, I do this as a side gig? Why would I do that? Well, because you know. <laughs> People do share those things. That's awesome. Why do you think I ran down to the, the drumming circle? Okay, well, I was geeking out too, and I've never touched a skin in my life. Yeah. So, you know, I just figured you were a fellow geek. I don't know. I mean. There we go. You just I, learned something new I about did. me. did. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. And, and what I find really amazing is when... Um, we practice every Monday night, mm-hmm. and I can be having the worst day possible. Mm-hmm. And I'll go up to a practice, or it might be a performance we're doing, and I'll walk away from that just totally refreshed, yeah. right? Like all cool. that bad stuff that happened in the day, gone. So I really have this belief around live music, mm-hmm. and it's a lost thing. It's, it's not as popular as it used to be, but live music is a very big part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and the more we can get in touch with it, I think the better uh, in, in touch with ourselves we'll become more in tune with ourselves. That's very, I found, and actually I haven't, I don't think I've written it yet, but so one of the things that Mike and I have done together is called Spark the Change, which we'll talk a little bit more at the end, but... At the end of Spark the Change 2015, we had a drum circle, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And I saw things in people that I just didn't, in a very positive way, but just, you know, when, when Jochen got up and he was just, and he's a very reserved man normally, 
he was just having a fantastic time. But at one point, the leader of the group asked us to do those reciprocal rhythms Mm -hmm. where you had to be engaged only with the drum Mm -hmm. in order to participate. And I remember sitting there and every time my mind drifted to what I had to do the next day or recounting something that I had to do for the reception or whatever, I lost the beat. Every single time. And how did you get yourself back into the beat? I said, stop being an idiot and pay attention to the damn drum. (laughs) (laughs) I caught myself because I don't want to, you know, type A personality. I don't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to lead other people off the beat. Yes. So I thought, you know what? For God's sake, it's only an hour of your time. Focus on the darn drum. And it was fantastic. Like the stress relief. Yeah. Can I offer a different perspective on what? Might have been happening. Yeah. (laughs) Is what you were actually doing is letting go. Letting go of all the stresses of our day to day life. Letting go of the worries. You know nothing about me so far. You know that that's not an easy thing for me to do. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it amazing that with live music, with the drum, right? You're able to let go. It, It provides that relief. It forces your brain to not you have no choice but to only be with the drum yes or the beat yes and that i found i think i'm going to propose to the group that we do that again but that's another oh we should yeah now really well received did you notice what i was doing during the drum circle you were doing an offbeat or something i seem to recall yeah it was actually changing a tempo at which we were playing Look at you, you little monkey. (laughs) I was slowing us down and speeding us up. And was that your role intentionally, or is that what you assumed? I was just experimenting to see, could I do it? You wanted to just mess with people. Gotcha. Because when (laughs) I play with the police band, uh, especially if I'm carrying the bass drum on the street, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm do setting you do the a whole, beat. You can't see me doing this, but I'm the whipping my arms. Thing? Do you do that? No. <laughs> Damn. I was, really, I was twirly, really impressed for a minute there. All that twirly stuff is just show. No, they don't actually fun. make noise when they touch a drum. I like oh, to make noise. I like to be heard. <laughs> Shocking. Don't believe me? I do. Ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm solid. I got that. So growing up, so fireman, policeman, whatever. Drummer. Very cool. And then at what point... You know, you're looking like grade 11, grade 12. You kind of have to start yeah. finding your path. Yeah. So what happened then? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, what did you do before this? I looked around and went, oh, what am I going to do? Right. And I picked up computer programming. It was a thing back then. When I started high school. Now. Yeah, well, it is. But when I started high school, we were actually programming. I remember in grade nine, we were programming with punch cards. It's Holy the, doodle. It's the only time I've used a punch card in the very next year. Um, then I believe it was Commodore Pets that they got in. I remember the very first Commodore 64 that came into art class. Uh huh. Same idea, except it, it a little upscale from the Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Right, and they were networked, and at the end of the desk or was at the, the end other of the row, computer. Yeah, no, it was the single floppy disk drive that was the <laughs> end, and that's how we stored our our stuff. Very cool. And I, you know, I guess at the end of high school, I just went. Well, you know what? I like doing that programming thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go do that. Okay, so funny because another guest started programming but he went to binary code 
Mm. And did everything in binary code. Let's see, I never went that far. Yeah, he's a little crazy pants that way. But yeah. He, so that's interesting that you both. So, so you're in that, which I find very interesting because you're a very creative person. So, at what point would that have stopped feeding your creative soul, or was the drumming at that point a way to keep that part of you engaged, or did you just decide enough? Like, where where's your enoughs enough? Yeah. Because you so, would have been an employee at that point, yes. Yeah. Well, no, I, w- I went to college right. uh, to learn programming. Right. And then I graduated from there and I started programming. And it probably took me about seven, eight years to realize that I'm really not passionate about being a programmer. Right. I know lots of people who are, and they're incredible when it comes to creating code. Right. I wasn't that good. <laughs> not my bag either. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when I started going down a path of leading people and managing people. In and that role, or you've now said in the software role, cool, right? Okay. In the software world, yeah. Um, and and at one point, I did a stint as um, an account manager for a company, mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of fun with that. Going around, seeing people, playing golf with them, it was a great time. Yeah. Um, But then at some point, I picked up a role in a big financial corporation um, doing project management. And I did that for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to think I was pretty good at it, but something never quite sat right with me, Mm -hmm. with it. Um, And then after about 15 years of that, it took you 15 years took to me 15 years to finally wake up. I'm so glad that I'm not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. I got in trouble for years and years and years from bosses. Yes. Because I kind of thought their rules were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> kind of didn't have the filter not to say that. And I always thought it was me. But it wasn't necessarily. Well, it was me. But it wasn't. It was just not the right fit. So I'm so glad you shared that. Well, I was so busy trying to have the the perfect job and a big corporation and move up the corporate ladder and How come? get ahead. I don't know. That's just what you did. I'm very glad you said that because you overcame that. So you've you're now disengaged. With... Well, at at some point, yeah, I started to realize that. All this management stuff, all this project management stuff, all this mm-hmm. getting ahead in a corporation was actually working against me. The very act of trying to do that yeah. was making me unhappy. Ooh. Okay. And I, I didn't know why at the time. Mm-hmm. Right? I just knew it wasn't right. Okay. And so it was about five, six years ago now. Um, I finally made the decision. It's it's time for something totally different. Right. And it's time to take that leap off a big cliff. <laughs> <laughs> the cliff with the sign on it that says, let's be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I stood there. Right. I stood on that cliff and figured out how is it or what is it I'm going to be able to do that will allow me to, to make a living, be myself. And were you cognizant at that point that you wanted to try and use the skills you'd already built? Or had you just decided, that's great and all, but I want to do something completely, oh. right? Because yeah. my, my E2E journey yes. always had me, because that's how as an employee you're trained, right? Yes. Is to always look at building. And I was really stuck in that mindset of, 
how do I use what I've already done mm-hmm. versus doing something completely new? So did you have that as well? Or were you building on... Oh, I was totally there, right? I'm going, I've got all this project management and program management and portfolio management and people leadership. And I got all these these real tactical skills. Right. And, and so when I took that step off the cliff, it, that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, part of that was getting out from behind being an employee so that it was easy to take that step and make some money and take away that um, that fear all entrepreneurs have oh, yeah. called money, yeah. <laughs> right? And it was easy to pick up a long-term contract, like a one-year contract that really gave me some seed money right. to get going. Um, in doing that, um, I, I incorporated and I actually named my company Lean Project Management Solutions. What a mistake that was. Why? Oh, because now that I'm where I am now, right. that name is so totally inapplicable. Yeah, but if that's your corporation name, that doesn't have anything to do with, I mean. But it's not my brand. It's not my identity anymore. Which is cool. So, yeah. So what's the... So, right, so, so, on. yeah, so <laughs> we'll have that discussion yeah. later. Sorry, there's a very puzzled expression on my face going, well, I don't get it, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I will get it at some point. Yeah, so, so, uh, and when I did that, I also started working towards doing more and more agile coaching. Right. Um, and so I had this first contract. I was out speaking at conferences. I was doing some blogging. Like I had a number of things happening mm-hmm. that led me towards doing agile coaching. I'm listening. So after that first year contract, I picked up the first agile coaching engagement. Right. And haven't turned back. And so I always... I always used to say, well, I could go do project management if I needed to make a few dollars. Right. Right. Uh, I I couldn't do that anymore. Which is good because you don't want to be caught in that fallback mindset. Yes. It it keeps you, the key word in that is back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was, um, let me think now, about two years ago. So I've been independent for almost five. Mm -hmm. And it was about two years ago now. I was in a real funky mood. I, I was ready to quit. Right. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to go. But you knew something had to pivot. Something had to pivot. I was in a bad mood about what was going on. The stupid thing is, um, there was no reason to be in this mood. Uh, I was nice. successful. Right. I was making money. But you weren't happy. I wasn't happy. That's a huge reason. Absolutely. To... So that's where, on a whim... Uh, I actually hired a coach for the first time, mm-hmm. and and it was one of those, eh, what could have possibly hurt to hire a coach? Nothing else seems to be working. Right. And it took about two months for me to come to realize I was not living as my most authentic self. You were subsisting. Oh, yeah. And I had a nasty <laughs> case of imposter syndrome happening. Oh, my God. Oh, it was terrible. I have to introduce you to my friend Monica, because... She and her friend do a, a podcast called Drinks at Six, mm. which is fantastic. And they talked about imposter syndrome. And Monica, um, I put her forward as a guest speaker for an event with Halton Regent talking to artists who are entrepreneurs. Yes. She talked about the imposter syndrome as well. Mm-hmm. And wow, that was she's probably the first entrepreneur 
who's ever been really, and I mean, this it sounds so silly, but who's ever like come out of the closet on feeling that way. Because when you look at her from the outside, and I would say the same about you, mm-hmm. you know your stuff. Yeah. Talented, likable, people skills. Like all, I would never, ever look at her or you and ever think that that's what was going on at some point behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. I'm stunned that you, well, I mean, okay, cool. Keep going. <laughs> Look at all the so, aha moments today. That's bizarre. So, so right around that same time, uh, I went off to a conference and heard this incredible keynote. Mm-hmm. So this is in a period of time where, okay, I've unlocked something. Right. Right. I knew I had this imposter syndrome thing. I was doing some exploration of, okay, where do I want to go with that? And I hear this keynote suddenly, and it was titled, um, uh, the, the Best Job Ever. Okay. It was at an Agile conference. Best job ever. What would that be? Yeah. Ooh, pie taster. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the curious thing. Change that. Instead of talking about what's the, what's the best job you could have, Mm-hmm. What would you be yourself inside in that best job? Happy. Yeah. Right? It's those kinds of things. So I started to, I, I internalized it. I watched the recording of this this keynote twice mm-hmm. afterwards. And she proposed a 5Y mm-hmm. type exercise where start with what really lights you up. Mm-hmm. We're like, right, what are you doing when, when you really get lit up inside. And for me at the time, it was working with teams, helping people. Okay. Okay. And so I started doing the five why thing. And I get down to um, a statement of life is too short to be happy or unhappy at work. Life is too short to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Stop you need being, a new keynote speaker. Stop wow. being so happy. No, but life is too short to be unhappy at work. Right. And that's when, that was the key defining point for me. Okay. It was a pivot point for me. And are you still at this point in the crux of deciding whether to go back to being an employee or continue on your entrepreneurship? Yeah. Okay. And going back to being an employee, there's thoughts like, maybe I should just go pack bags at the local grocery store. <laughs> right? I was <laughs> in that kind of... I don't see that as mood. your bliss, but okay. I, I'm with you. <laughs> Right, but I was in that kind of mood. Yeah, I've looked at being a barista. Yeah, because wouldn't it be easier? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, because you just, hey, how can I help you? What would you like? And, and I have years and years in retail and restaurant. I served Swiss chalet chicken in the red Swiss miss. <laughs> Do you yeah. have a picture of that? I have two, which oh, I, I will yeah. <laughs> for you only. Thank you. So I have, I have been there where I have thought about well, I could be a barista. Yeah. You know, I could do that part-time and, and yeah. whatever because that imposter syndrome just starts shouting at you. Yeah. In a horrible way. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's the point in time. So you're not bagging groceries now, I'm which is not good. bagging groceries. There was a pivot that happened at that point that mm-hmm. kind of locked in. Right. And, and it was that was the point I said, I know what I need to do. I know what I'm meant to be doing which is coaching. And so that's when I started the journey of becoming a great coach. Okay. Um, I, that journey is not done. Uh, it'll never, never be done yeah. until, until I die, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, to, to kind of show the difference here, uh, before that point, 
what I was very focused on is, how can I make enough money to retire sooner? It was all about making money to retire. I that wanted more. That has never driven me. And that's always been my problem. Well, it never used to drive me. Yeah. But in a period of time where I was in that funky mood and yeah. I had the imposter syndrome, yeah. I was very focused on I have to have more so that I can retire sooner. No, I didn't. You're right. I did have that. Interesting to note, I didn't have that as an employee. Mm. Money was never a driver for me as an employee. And now? I'm getting better at it. Because I used to think it was a big bad thing to want money. I don't know why. It's yeah. like it's a whole other. Well, there's podcast. a lot of cultural stuff there. Yeah, but yeah. We'll but, have another podcast. Oh, we will. That yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of people. But it's interesting that you said that because yeah. now, it's still not huge, but it's definitely when I'm in the when I'm in the bad place of being yes. an entrepreneur. Yeah. I definitely go there more mm-hmm. than when, which I guess is a natural reaction when things are going well. It's also a cultural reaction. There's a book and, and the author is escaping me. I wish I had it. Maybe we can include it with the there you go. text. Yeah. But uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I've read that. Yeah. And he talks about um, being, doing, and having. Yeah. Right. And in North America, what we typically do is focus on doing so we can have. And if yeah, we have, I don't. we can be something. Maybe you don't. Yeah. Right. But that's a place I was back then oh no I've, I've gone there yeah. yeah don't sorry right I don't mean that in that way but yeah interesting cool. and and what we want to do is shift from doing so we can have because you never really get to the have part of it, it it's a very vicious cycle yeah. so you never get to the being the being happy so what you want to do is you want to figure out what you want to be first right do that be happy be free Okay. Be empowered. Be whatever it is that you want to be mm-hmm. and and start acting based on that, doing. And through That's, that, you yeah. will start having the thing that you really want. I had a, a session with somebody, me giving, not me mm-hmm. receiving a session, um, and it was to go over her resume. Mm. And she's she's at a she was at a pivot point. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her resume. She paid somebody to do this resume. Mm. I can't tell you the number of times I just about sucked my lips through the back of my head because I was ready to just, I'm going through this. And I finally, I looked at her and I'm like, did you actually pay somebody to do this for you? And she said, well, yeah. Why did you pay them to keep you in the job you're in now? Yeah. She said, well, what do you mean? I'm like, this entire resume is built to keep you in what you're trying to get away from. I said, so I said, we're going to put that aside for a minute and we're going to talk about where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to pull out of your resume and your skill sets that you haven't considered and whatever. And we're going to build the resume for where you want to be, not mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and she processed that. And she's like, I never thought about it that way before. I'm like, well, that's why you and I are, you know, chatting. You know, the other problem with having. Uh, somebody else write your resume mm-hmm. is it's not you. Yes, this this it's didn't reflect her at all. It was so. I said, you know what? Even after having talked to you for half an hour, yes, like there's nothing of you in here. This is the most generic, flat resume yeah. that 400 other people are going to put in for the job that you don't want in the first place. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm like that's what that person was. 
Either that was just their skill set, mm-hmm. which if you can make a living at it, good for you. Wonderful. Yay. But they suck at it, and quite frankly, they should want to look at pivoting because <laughs> this was a really bad resume. Yeah. And I think she really, I should, I should check back in with her and see how she's doing. But interesting. Okay. So now you're at that point. So the coaching for yeah. two years now. Yeah. Which is so, cool. So I remember walking into the first coach training right um session and it was in downtown toronto mm-hmm. in a hotel room like in a, a, a classroom hopefully not the toronto down valley no no it wasn't there <laughs> sorry it's okay <laughs> Another podcast. and uh i walked into the room and there's a circle there's no tables whatsoever okay. and and that doesn't freak me out i teach my i teach as well mm-hmm. a lot of time in that way but i remember walking in there and looking at the circle of people and going, what the heck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Right? Is this really the right place for me to be? Right. By the end of that weekend, it was three days over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of that weekend, it was like, yes, this is where I need to be. Cool. And so that journey has continued. And I'm at a point now where I couldn't imagine why I would retire. Because you found your bliss. I'm happy. Yeah. Right. That's how I feel about at my office and about MCV Communications. Nice. I don't feel the need for it to end right now. I mean, I'm only, a, you know, two years in one business and one year in another, but it's not a job. It's your life. Well, yeah. we talk about it. I just um, read a blog post this morning mm-hmm. titled um, um, F, F this. Family show, so yeah, watch the language. <laughs> F this work life balance stuff, there is no such thing. Oh, baloney. No. See, when oh, we I talk about baloney. work and life balance, it's a scarcity concept. It's that we don't you're, have you're enough. It's scarce of one or the other. Yeah. Right. Okay. What if we integrated the two of them? What if we lived our most authentic, most real self? Do the thing yeah. that really makes us happy so that we don't have to escape it? Very true. That's and I actually was just speaking to somebody the other day, and and um, I'm I'm working on a project, and the person I'm working on it with is an employee of somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, the person I was speaking to is a fellow entrepreneur mm-hmm. and much C-suite like crazy successful and whatever. But it was interesting because he he looked at me and he said the difference is you and I are entrepreneurs and we go to bed thinking about our business and we wake up thinking about our business mm-hmm. because that's what we do. Right. And the person that you're trying to do this project with is an employee mm. and they can walk away at any time from that job mm-hmm. and just go get another job. Yeah. You and I can't do that. So, so that whole concept of the employee walking away and, you know, it's just a job. That's another whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like this is just a job. No, no, it's your life, right? Oh, that's scary, but yeah. Well, but but in a good way. Imagine, no. Have Have you ever been in an office building and just stood in the lobby mm-hmm. and walked watched the people going by? Oh yeah. And and what do you see? And what do you hear? Usually, bitching and moaning and angry faces. That's so why I used to love taking the train into Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, they're in this zone. And not the quiet zone, because I understand the quiet zone. But they're in their zone. 
they don't look at each other. They don't talk to each other. They're either looking at their phone or yes. they're, you know, inadvertently drooling on their soup because they've fallen asleep. <laughs> you know, those used to make me laugh. And, and I think I've shared this with you before. It was everything in my being not to break into song just to see what's in, not in the quiet zone because I know that's like strictly verboten. But <laughs> down on the main level, I'd just be like... Row, row, row your boat. Everybody in a round. <laughs> Why didn't you? Oh, because I'm a chicken shit and I wouldn't do that. But I'd probably have mass revolt on the train and they'd be pressing that yellow strip going, get the crazy person. Crazy out. lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy alert. But I, was, I just felt so sad for everybody. Like, yeah. what would be so awful about turning to your neighbor for that day mm. and going, hey, what are you up to? Like I said, you're, you're only one person away from something new to learn. And if you have to make that train ride in every day, why not make it an, an, an opportunity? Yes. You know, to yes. learn from somebody new or learn a new skill or whatever. And I realize that sounds like a lot of effort, but honestly, it's not. And I would rather spend the time, you know, unless the person has bad breath or is stupid. I mean, we <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you take your chances. Um, and yes, I can be judgmental, whatever. <laughs> but I, you know, what what could be the worst that could happen, and what could be the best that could happen? Yeah, it could be a whole new opportunity, or you've only spent forty minutes of your day, and quite frankly, you got another train ride coming home. So if you want to, you know, stick your blinders on, then you can recuperate from your day and the morning bad conversation then. And imagine if you could light up that person. Yeah. So instead of them having to check out. And leave themselves partly at home. What if you can give them an aha moment? Exactly. Or they give you one or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or you learn a new joke. Exactly. Or you learn a new... There's just so much opportunity that's being missed. Yeah. But I wonder if that's, you know, societal, where we've just been trained not to invade other people's space. So it's it's actually become a passion of mine when... Sing on trains? Yeah, to sit on trains. To sing on trains. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear me singing. Hey, man, I know enough girl guide songs that I could hook you up, and everybody sounds fantastic. Oh, see, I have songs. all the scouting songs, so there's probably <laughs> <Scouts>. overlap. <laughs> we can hook up. We can do yeah. that. Right. But it's become this real passion of mine that in business we have this real cultural thing happening mm-hmm. where people need to do stuff like check their emotions at the door leave their personal life at home. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. Of course it's hard. Actually, it's impossible. We can't do that. I, I used to ask people to do that. Right back in my project management days, I was really good at saying, okay, so you know this, this discussion we're going to have, there's no place for emotion here. Chuck him at the door. I would have been that employee sitting there flipping you the bird silently. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope there was people doing that. Oh, I would have been going, okay, shit. (laughs) Exactly. The the subtle finger salute. Well, because we can't. And and yet our our whole culture, our corporate environments, our our businesses are built around leaving those things behind. When they make us who we are. Exactly. They're probably part of what makes you an effective employee or yeah, Yeah. It's here. Here's your employee brain. Plug this in. Yeah. Do these processes. Follow these things. Don't do that. Because you're not a human being and you should be able to dissect your brain and 
See, now we know why I didn't do well for 20 years. <laughs> well, and, All and, the secret bird flipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for me, it was 15 years of trying to do that. Trying to, trying to unplug crushing. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well put. It's soul crushing. Yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I've, what I'm loving about doing these podcasts is that the more I talk to people, that becomes, especially entrepreneurs, that becomes a common theme mm-hmm. that there was something about being an employee that just didn't work. That was me. But I always thought I was the only one. Because I was always the one in trouble. I was always the one doing things backwards. Or How often did you change jobs? <laughs> I want to see if you got me beat. <laughs> um, What's the longest job you ever held as an employee? Girl Guides of Canada. Okay. Four and a half years. Uh, we're about even then. Yeah, that was the longest. Because, one, I absolutely adore that organization. Um, I love everything it stands for. And it was really easy to be in the role that I was in, which was dealing face-to-face with the public, talking mm-hmm. to parents about the program, talking mm-hmm. to the girls, supporting the leaders, working for the volunteers. All, it just it, it pushed every button possible. It resonated with me on a moral level. It resonated with me on a creative level. Mm. I love helping people. That's my, my goal in life. Yes. Other than trying not to... You know, the thing we talked about before about not yeah, yeah. beating people with a bat. Um, my goal in life is to be happy and to serve others. And that, and I had the best manager in Barbara Shibashi who, here's what I respect about managers. If you're going to stand there and tell me to do something that you yourself won't do, mm-hmm. I will probably flip you a not-so-subtle bird at some point in our relationship. I respected Barb to the ends of the earth because there was nothing that she would ask us to do that she herself wouldn't do. Mm. So if we got a huge cookie order, she was right there, sleeves up, helping us unload, pack, whatever. If we had a challenge with something, throws herself right in. And if you went to her with a problem, um, yes, she could detach and, and be you know logical about it and clinical about it, but... You just knew that she was going to listen and respect what you had to say. Mm-hmm. And then I've worked for managers who, you know, and we've met them through through Spark and what have you, that have this idea that they're better than me. Yes. And as soon as you come at me with the I'm better than you, we're not going to get along. Yeah. Because in any given situation, and this is probably one of the few things from Eckhart Tolle that I actually agree with, you're on a ship. Mm-hmm. At that point... The captain of the ship is the most important important person on the boat. Mm -hmm. But if we're on land and somebody needs a birthday cake, I then become the most important person in the room because I'm a good baker and I do cake decorating and Mm -hmm. whatever. And then if we get on a plane, pilots, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. Does that Um, make sense? It it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, And I believe that that's where a lot of opportunity is missed mm-hmm. in companies. The leader Agreed. believes that they have all the right answers. Absolutely. And creates a right. culture where nobody would question that. Yeah. Right? It probably has birds being flipped off all the time. Probably. <laughs> at some level. Yeah. Right? And there's some people that just thrive on, you just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. And if it's wrong, that's your problem. 
not mine. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't do that. Well, and nobody should be. Mm-hmm. Right? Because now, me, in taking that direction, I have no ownership. Yes. Right? And it becomes very easy to blame. Where's the result? So as entrepreneurs, as companies, even as big corporations, we want good results. How do you get that? And when not, people and are mindless. not at the expense of your employees. You want that because of your employees, not in spite of your employees or, yeah. your, or your management or what have you. Yeah. I just read a, um, a really good book called Turn Your Ship Around by David Marquette. Have you ever read that? Not yet, but that has a song playing in my head right now. But anyway. <laughs> What's the song? What is it? Turn the Beat Around. Turn the Beat Around. You know that one? Well, Turn no. the Beat Around. Oh, is this Love turning into a music podcast? <laughs> no. You're a good singer. Thank you, not really. So David Marquette was the um, uh, U.S. nuclear sub-captain. And these guys go to school for a year so that they know their boat front to back. So they can live in a tiny, explodable cylinder? Yep. (laughs) And and let's put aside all the destructive stuff for the moment, right? No, as somebody who suffers from claustrophobia... Oh, yes. I'm with you. I, I don't that's have... A, claust- that's a loss of control that yes. we just... Woo! I, I don't suffer from claustrophobia, but I could not imagine spending three months underneath the ocean. I would drop my basket. I'm with you. Yeah. So they go to school and they study their boat for a year. And the whole idea is the captain is like the authority on this boat. That's a he, dangerous position to be he in. He knows every button, every widget, every squeak, every everything... Mm-hmm. about this boat and david tells the story of a month before he's supposed to take command of whatever one right the, the captain of the absolute worst submarine in the fleet mm-hmm. quits Pardon me? Okay. and so they say hey david over there so he's got one month to prepare to take over this boat not one year so he can't possibly know everything about this boat what a great team building exercise so what he discovered the way the navy taught um leadership at the time Mm -hmm. very top down command and control exactly what you would think captain makes every decision very industrial age thinking exactly Mm -hmm. but what he ran into very quickly was stuff like uh there's one story where he would be standing on the bridge and he'd say you know ahead two-thirds and the executive officer would relay that to the helm, and the helm guy just sat there. And the captain finally said, David finally says, what's the matter? Mm-hmm. And the helm's guy says, there is no two-thirds. There's one quarter, two quarter, three quarter, you know, whatever. There's no two-thirds. Yeah. But nobody argued with the command that was given. Well, the love of Pete, how can you make... Exactly, but isn't that exactly... What's going on out in the corporate world? Agreed. Agreed. Right? I want you to do this. We, we, okay. we can. Right? Because, you know, our process is broken or whatever. But people don't question it. They just go off. They work behind the scenes. They do stuff under the table. Mm-hmm. We get crappy results, unhappy customers, whatever it is. Yeah. And nobody's speaking up. So... Sorry, I'm having How did we get here? I know. Because <laughs> what I'm thinking is we've only got about three minutes left. And oh, we've had a fantastic... Really? Yeah. Wow. I think. Um, if I, I'm trying to remember when we started. We started at one. So actually, well... we got a few more minutes. We have a few yeah. more minutes. Yeah. But, so part of the goal of this podcast 
So I hear what you're saying. And yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic story. Cool. Is to make sure that... Who Rain us back. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you can start me on a topic and I'll just go. Um, we make a good pair. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that we need to, you know... Okay. <laughs> so out of all of this, you've now built this coaching yes. uh, business around... Yes. So for business and life. Yes. And, um, and as you said before we started, that you know, business and life are not separate. Yes. Um, and as evidenced by the fact that from the industrial age, you know, into the 60s and 70s, I think it was probably, seven, probably more so in the 60s and 70s, yeah. where people started to realize that the work method of the 30s, 40s, and 50s of top-down, leave your personal life at yes. home, whatever... And I found it really interesting, actually, that that discovery was going on. But then you got to the 80s, and somehow or another, that was all touted as feel-good hippie crap. Yeah. And and got left behind. And we went back the other way. I know. Like, it's like Mad Men threw up all over the 90s and 2000s. <laughs> and so what I'm thinking now is you've, you've learned all these experiences. You've seen what doesn't work for you. Obviously discover that that resonates with other people. Yeah. So if somebody's working with you now as a business coach, as a life coach, or, you know, I'm assuming that you just address whatever, they come to you with a, a need, and then I'm assuming that other things come up and, and what have you. So if somebody's working with you and they, they come to you with a, an initial problem, mm -hmm. what's your then next step with that person? Mm. So it, it kind of depends. So I do some work at the team level. Mm -hmm. and the organizational level mm -hmm. um, and that's different than working with an individual right. um, at the individual level uh, that's where I bring in all the coaching skills right. so we start by you know we'll define some goals what's going on for them what did they want to have different you know if if they could wave a magic wand what would one year look like right okay. what, what would be different after a year um, and then we start discovering who they are. And I get them to discover what is their purpose here, mm -hmm. right? And, and people will always have this thought around, well, I'm here to be a retailer or I'm here to be like a job type of thing. And it's like, no, no, it's something internal to you. Mm -hmm. What really lights you up? We get in touch with things like values and saboteurs and so on. Right. Um, but you, the, you when you say saboteurs, you mean internal or external? You know those little stories you tell yourself that keep holding I you back? Do, the rat yeah. bastards. Yeah. yeah, that's what I call them too. Yeah. <laughs> right? Those stories make you human, but they also hold you back. Okay. And a lot of times if people can see them, they can put them aside and move around them. And so coaching helps people see them. Okay. So seeing what your purpose is, what your values are, because when you can do that, when you can see um, what really lights you up, mm -hmm. it becomes very easy. Um, or sorry, it helps to make it easier to facilitate decisions. Right? Should I do this? Should I do that? Right. right? Uh, it also becomes easy to see, easier to see, why am I upset about X? Mm -hmm. Right? Because... A lot of times that is uh, you're, you're, you're violating one of your own personal beliefs or values mm -hmm. when you mm -hmm. get upset. Um, procrastination, another good one. We're all good at it, right? Imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. what, whatever it is, it's helping that person 
become something even more beautiful than they are. Cool. To step cool. into something bigger. Which is a very powerful statement right there. So if you, if you, I go two ways. So typically I'm going to assume that the relationship begins, you do those pieces, you then coach that person through to the outcomes that you've both agreed. Mm-hmm. From the beginning are the ultimate goal, but you're going to yes. have iterations along the way because mm-hmm. they may either take on or drop uh, goals yes. depending on what they discover about yes. themselves. And so at what point do you kind of go, you know what? I've done what I can do with you for right now. Mm. Um, there, let's, you know. There, there is a, a natural point where, and, and it's funny when we reach this point, we both seem to feel it at the same time. Yeah, I've noticed that numerous times now where all of a sudden we go, you know what? Coaching has run its course for now. Or coaching with me has run its course. So I have two clients who went on to work with other coaches afterwards. Well, and I've done that. Yeah. Well, it shakes things up. It gets you into a different mindset, different relationship. Well, everybody's relationship. got a, a certain skill set. And once you've exhausted that, mm-hmm. then it's time to, to move along. Yeah. So is there a time where... Because, of course, your clients have to resonate with your values and what have you. So, I mean, are you mm. doing then an assessment with people when you meet them to go, you know what? I'm not sure I'm the right person for you. Yeah. So, um, I'll take exception to the word assessment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and and like that's not about you. Yeah. That's not about you. That's just how it was kind of a vis- visceral reaction. No, that's fair. So inside it, me, whatever tool you want to use. Yeah. But... So I offer free introductory coaching sessions, mm-hmm. and I know there's some coaches out there that'll get 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I give as much time as needed. Most times they go like 90 minutes. Well, it's an important relationship. You it want to is. Make sure that, yeah. It is. And what I'm finding is at the end of the 90 minutes, it either is or isn't meant to be. Right. And we just know it. Mm-hmm. We just feel it. So probably two or three out of every 10 that I talk to mm-hmm. become a client. Well, that's good, though, because then you know that, that both of you are getting value out of it. Because Absolutely. you're going to be learning from the client not only new skills to deal with whatever they need help with mm-hmm. but about yourself mm-hmm. and and what you can and can't deliver yeah you know what it comes down to i only want to work with people who inspire me or to whom you can be inspirational or i think it's a two-way street yeah but if they inspire me i know we can create a good connection and then reach their outcomes yeah awesome and, and that doesn't mean they, they have to be the most highly successful entrepreneur out there. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with the money, right? Or the physical success. Yeah, you have to resonate with that person. Yeah, it's yeah. who they are, right? And what they want for themselves. And what fears they're willing to step into. Because I, I, I make them damn uncomfortable at times. I've got somebody in my healthcare networking group and... Bless their hearts. They're they're all about, you know, Elizabeth, you have this fear and you need to, and I love them to death. But yeah, I'm not good with that in a public space. So. Mm. so so that's actually a very important thing too, is the relationship I have with my clients mm-hmm. is totally confidential. confidential. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing public about what goes on. Oh, no, it's not. It's, and it's not. We, we've no, had no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, but you just reminded me. Yeah. Right. That 
what's going on is totally safe, totally comfortable. Mm-hmm. And and if they don't have that level of safety, yeah. that, then the, the coaching, quite frankly, is not going to be effective. No, that's fair. That's fair. I went to um, personal share. I went to, when my, my dad passed away when I was 20. Mm. And um, apparently I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Go figure. I know. So I went and looked into um, Brief Families of Ontario. Okay. And knew I had to do something or whatever. There's a point to this. And uh, they decided that I would do well in group therapy. (laughs) Not a good fit. And I ended up, uh, did not resonate with the group. Could have resonated better with the the leader of the group had Mm -hmm. it been a one-to-one. Um. And it came down to the day where they were talking about the funeral and the, you know, taking you through. And it, it had only been, I don't know, like six months to a year. So it was still quite raw. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's going through their thing and whatever. And I remember sitting there going, there is no effing way on God's green earth. I'm having this moment in a front of a bunch of people. I have no freaking idea who you are, even though we'd been meeting for, you know, a few weeks. And I went to the bathroom. And uh, basically squidged myself under a sink in the corner. And mm-hmm. and that's where the group leader found me. Because there was no way I was having that happen in front of... Because it, it was a pretty spectacular, ugly-faced, woohoo experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds that, like you were hurting quite yeah, deeply. It was, a, it, was a, it was not a great time in, yeah. in my life. So that's... I didn't have that safety. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that feeling of comfort. Yeah. And granted that that was an extreme situation, but yeah. when you're looking at dealing with pivoting your life, mm-hmm. that's another extreme situation. You're making a huge step. And the relationship that you have with your coach is vital to feeling comfortable with going forward with mm-hmm. the goals and outcomes that you've decided together. Correct. So I, I find that really fantastic that you make sure that that's there when a lot of people don't do that just just do what i'm telling you to do yeah because i'm the expert yeah and you came to me for coaching so follow my five steps with my here and here's my swami ball and whatever and and you'll do great yeah where in fact we're all experts in our own life yes we just need to hear that imagine if if everybody held you that way We'll have a touchy-feely moment after. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So my last thing for you is um, relatively new. Is there anything in your list? No, no, no. no. We've covered everything. We're We're good. good. Is there, you know, you're relatively new to having your own business. Yeah. Which is very cool. So what are you most proud of so far? Me. Awesome. Well, what about you? I know that might sound a little arrogant. No, it doesn't at all. Right. I'm kind of proud Um, of me too. I'm, I'm very proud of... The work I've done, and I'm not talking about the contracts and the money part of it, yeah. but the work I've done to become the person I am. So I have this this belief now or this saying that life is what you make of it. Mm-hmm. What are you making of your life? Are you asking me or is that a rhetorical question? It's a rhetorical oh, question. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to answer it. But Long but, pause there. <laughs> but I have this saying because it's it's really about me. I've come to realize life is what you make of it. Mm-hmm. And 
it's 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 you know a story that's unfolding day by day mm-hmm. there is no prescription mm-hmm. there is no script to this right it's exactly what you make of it so the question is what if what are you making of your life and for me it's i'm living more fully as authentically me. yeah cool so is there anything you've got coming up perhaps in June, that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> you mean like sparks and change? <laughs> I have lots of stuff coming up. So I'm putting together a workshop um, for leaders, yeah. and, and which actually means anybody could attend because I believe we're all leaders. Right. Um, in it's life. not like everybody gets a first place ribbon, but it, everybody is a has an opportunity to be a leader. Exactly. Yeah. So there won't be any of those big vulnerable mo- moments like you just described. Yeah. <laughs> so fond of those. Right. It's not that kind of workshop, but but it's to um, teach um, some of these skills mm-hmm. to leaders to to create some awareness, to create some awakening amongst leaders that we cannot continue to go through life partly shut down can't unplug that human part of the brain exactly and if you want to be successful in life and business you have to allow you and the people you're leading to step fully into themselves very true very true so so i have a workshop coming up about with that don't have a date unfortunately at the moment it's coming soon um and then in june yeah spark the change Ah! Ah, it's coming which is exciting um so spark the change is um a two-day conference and this is the second year that Mike and I have worked on the same team for this. And it's aimed specifically at changing the people in charge of organizations. It's basically about changing their mind and opening them up to the opportunity to understand the value of their employees, to manage them differently, to be proactive in supporting and encouraging change and diversity and, and different thought. You know, we don't have to all think like robots. Um, so that's www.sparkthechange.ca. And where can they find you? At Spark the Change? No, Smarty Pants in general. <laughs> www.mikeeedwards.ca. Yeah. Three E's. There's three Two E's. E's. Mikey. Mikey. <laughs> Which and your information, I'll, I'll have that on my website and stuff too. Beautiful. So thank you very much, Mike. Thank you. I think we are we are gonna push away from across the desk. I don't know how to end that properly, but anyway, these chairs don't have wheels. They don't have wheels, so yeah, we're not gonna wee. I don't need a WSIB thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's across the desk with Elizabeth Ploof, and today my guest was Mike Edwards. And again, www.mikeeedwards.com or .ca. Either one would work. Oh, you redirected. Oh, look. Yeah. Swanky pants. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Thank you.